Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. Uh, I'm Hwai Chen Bui, a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. I'm joined by only one of my fellow co-hosts today. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. Now, HT, you haven't been on the podcast for a couple weeks because of just scheduling and you were working Tribeca and Mother's Day was last week. Now, are you thinking you're back? Yeah. I'm thinking I'm back. So we're talking Wick to this week. We're this week Wick. it's Wick. We're talking John Wick. Uh, the little franchise that could, I guess. Uh, it par- kind of According is. to box offices, uh, it has doubled uh, the most recent John Wick, which came out this weekend, which is why we're talking about this franchise. Um, the box office report kind of came in uh, today, and they've it, they've said that uh, this week, this opening weekend doubled last John Wick Chapter Two's opening weekend. So they're gonna make John Wicks, and not only it's that, great. it was the first movie to unseat Avengers Endgame from the number one spot on the box office, which Correct. is a feat for a movie that um, the first one was just a scrappy little action film that no one thought would be the it, mega like, hit came that it out would in yeah. December, yeah, of like 2014. I want, I, remember, to, I want to see how much the budget was for um, the first John Wick. So keep talking, Willoughby. I'll, okay, so I might, I guess we'll just, we'll dive into like our relation to the movie. Uh, the first time I'd ever even heard of John Wick was um, through HT's, I guess, the sister podcast, the Slash Filmcast. The, they, they reviewed it in like December of 2014. And I was just sort of like, oh, I guess Keanu Reeves is in a new action movie. That's fun. Um and then I remember seeing, just hearing for like a couple of years that the movies were really good or the, the first movie was really good and like severely underrated. And, it, you know, it was a little film that prop didn't, you know, wasn't a box office smash or success, but they made a second one. And when the second one started coming, like promo for the second one started coming out, I went and I watched the first film and I was like, oh, this is really good. Like this franchise, like I get what what people have been talking about for a couple of years, and like the movie Keanu is sort of in reference to it. No, it was sort of this weird, like it came out unrelated at the same time. It had a very similar plot, but it also stars Keanu Reeves as a cat talking cat mm-hmm. for like one scene. Um, but like the ba- basic premise of like a man getting revenge on his for his pet is just, it's very funny that the, both of those movies have that same plot. Um, John Wick Chapter 2 came out, and I saw that in theaters, and I love that. And John Wick Chapter 3 came out this weekend, and spoiler alert, I thought it was pretty great. It rules. Um, it does rules. And guess what? There's a lot of rules in these in this, in these movies, hey. and those rules rules. Yeah, they do. Um, so um, I want to say, the first John Wick was made on a production budget of only $20 million. And it grows... That's- not a lot. It's not a lot at all for um, an action film of that of that caliber, and it grossed eighty eight million dollars worldwide. And uh, like Willoughby said, that John Wick Chapter Three, the budget is already like uh, not the um the box office is already uh, one hundred forty nine point two million, like worldwide. Yeah, um, domestic for now, I think. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. The I will say that um, oh no worldwide movies, worldwide mm-hmm. uh, that okay it's still that's still pretty good mm-hmm. um these these movies you know their a- action films are usually you know a lot of them are take it or leave it but I feel like this franchise is really kind of stuck in people's minds especially like 
fans of these type of action movies and uh, like film fans in, in particular because the movies are just so darn good looking. Yeah, like they look good, they're well made, and they have some of the best action in cinema recently so i think the big question remains i think this is something that we're going to uh center our episode around today is john wick the best action franchise of our modern era let's that's a really good question good question because the only other big contender we have is the mission impossible franchise and while you could easily say oh mission impossible for sure uh, John Wick is much more consistent in terms of just the quality of and of storytelling and fight sequences than Mission Impossible. And while the last two Mission Impossible movies are like the peak, the pinnacle of action cinema, you have to think about just like how good John Wick has been from movie to movie. There's no um, diminishing returns with John Wick, and uh, it's just I so incredibly heightened. On that. Yeah, so. Uh, we're going to talk about that and just kind of uh, go through each of the John Wicks, um, I guess our kind of uh, reactions to each John Wick and this most recent John Wick, and uh, debate a little bit whether we think that this uh, John Wick could be heading to be like the best action franchise of, you know, this decade, this, this century. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Oh. AC, right. what did what did you think of John Wick One when it came? Or I guess, uh, what, what did you think of John Wick One when you first saw it? Let's see, John Wick One, I don't, I never saw it in theaters. I know I definitely saw it on, um, like home video. I think I only I'd heard of it when it came out, and I remember it making somewhat of a splash, but I didn't have quite enough interest in it to go and see it. Uh, but our friend Mike, friend of the pod was always raving about this movie and how much he loved it. And by the time by the time John Wick 2, John Wick Chapter 2 came out in 2017, 2018, I think. Um, uh, 2017. 2017. I was ready to check out first John Wick and uh, see what all the hype was about. And I saw it. John Wick 1 is just almost the perfect movie. It had, it's a very simple revenge tale, you know. Uh, John Wick is a former assassin who is, has finally like been able to escape that life, but when he has done that, his wife dies from cancer, and um, his one chance at humanity, this cute dog, this adorable, adorable dog that his wife sends him from, from the grave. Um, from beyond the, from beyond the grave. Uh, gets killed by a bunch of skeezy thugs who then steal his car and uh run away with his with it so it's very simple revenge film but oh my god it's so immaculately choreographed and it really does feel like it introduces a new form of sleek action and fight filmmaking for this modern era because Chaz Dahelski and Keanu Reeves have this real passion for martial arts that you see you rarely see um even in like the big blockbusters of Hollywood you see it more in um and like Asian filmmaking like uh The Raid or in Korean films like The Villainess and uh in a lot of action uh, Hollywood blockbusters now fight scenes are often very frenetic very blocky you don't see a lot of it because like the the actors aren't quite you know that well versed in in fighting as like 
martial artists are. So they, they do a lot of just Hollywood magic and uh, smoke and mirrors to make it seem like they're fighting when it's actually just a bunch of fast cuts. Uh, but here, yeah. it really lets the fighting shine. And in the first one, you see that especially. Like, it's character-driven, and it's this great revenge story, but it's also about this man who uh, is on the edge of, like, humanity and his the darkness, basically, that is, like, threatening to consume him. Because in trying to take vengeance for this dog like that dog is his last semblance of his last like attempt like chance for humanity essentially yeah it's his morality it's his consciousness and like him trying to win that back and and further descending into that hellhole that is the assassin world uh is so fascinating and like it's just so good so compelling to watch and the fights, yeah, they're amazing. Chaz the Hel- I what I was trying to say before, Chaz the Helsky and Keanu Reeves, they have the passion for it, but they also, you know, have that um, history for it too. Chaz the Helsky uh, is a former stuntman. He was the stunt person for Keanu Reeves during the Matrix films. And so he knows how to shoot this action choreography. He knows uh, how to make it look good and how to make it part of that story. And that's why and the first John And he knows Keanu. And he knows Keanu. He knows what Keanu is capable, capable of. And Keanu too is like, very passionate about these kind of things. He is, um, you know, a practicer of martial arts. His uh, his sensei, actually, Tiger Chen, shows up in, Ch- in John Wick Chapter 3. So uh, that's a fun little, little uh, Easter egg that we'll get to a little in, in due time. But yeah, first John Wick. I was astonished by how good of a movie this was. And it does remind me a lot more just of the um, action filmmaking you see across the pond and in... Um, in the Asian continent. And uh, yeah, Chad Zell's kind of like makes it a little new. They call it gun fu uh, because it's this combination of, you know, hand-to-hand martial arts, but also just like lots of headshots and lots of guns and everything. And it's that heightened video game characteristic that makes it so unique. So John Wick 1, loved it. John Wick Chapter 2, which I saw immediately after and I saw in theaters, I loved it. It expands the world tremendously. It turns it into this rich world of, like, rich underworld of assassins and rules and the high table and the continentals and everything like that. And that was really fascinating to me. I remember, like, comparing it to how, you know, the Godfather 1, the first Godfather, classic, a classic of cinema. Godfather 2 just makes it, cements it as something that is beyond just like a good movie but like a good staple of cinema and I feel like John Wick 2 helped do that although I will say I didn't like the villains in John Wick 2 quite as much as I did in the first one because there's no like personal connection it becomes a little bit caught up in its world building a little which I think John Wick 3 does remedy but I want to talk about your reaction to John Wick 2 Willoughby tell me what you thought about it so I just I think I quickly mentioned that like I love these all these films and John Wick one is a very good action film and I was kind of I was blown away by the cinematography and the way that the editing works and like you could see the punches and the gunshots and like nothing but I mean like obviously the gunshots are fake because like you know Keanu Reeves isn't actually coming around killing a bunch of people but like the way that they do, they do it is that they're not hiding anything like these the editing is so crisp and perfect and the cinematography is all neon flared up and like perfectly like colorful and whatnot and john wick chapter two takes that to the extreme and like it is so good like uh i don't really have 
like any qualms with the film. Like I would, I guess I would say sort of along the lines of like the villain is sort of like, like you were saying, like not personal. And it's just sort of like the, whoever the, the G uh, D'Antonio guy is, he's just sort of like this uh, guy who comes in right, right at, right at the end of John Wick or at the beginning of John Wick two. And basically is like, I heard your back. So now you're going to have to like do this thing for me. And I'm like, okay. So they're just, he's just sort of like, Riding the coattails of the story of John Wick One and like you know trying to get in while the iron is hot, and I really so like the story isn't as personal as John Wick One, but I would say the world building and the action choreography and, and the, the cinematography and like all all the scope of it it expands. Like I was telling my girlfriend, like John Wick One begins with him waking up at like six a.m. making coffee. And then by John Wick three, like, a, like it's so much bigger than any of these films in combined. But it's not like Endgame size, where it's like this massive like war. It's just it's it's this perfect uh, combination of epicness as well as personalization. I feel mm. like that John Wick Chapter three does a really good job of keeping it centered on John Wick, but also expanding the world. And, you know, show like in John Wick Chapter two does the same thing. Like, I love the fact that there's different continentals in different places where like these like oases, oases for the assassins where they can just sort of like take a minute to breathe before going back out and assassinating more people. It's very like it's very Assassin's Creed esque where there's like yeah. this whole underground system society uh, and like um, I think my favorite part of John Wick Chapter two comes when he's getting ready to go to Italy um, and he's going to like the quote sommelier which is really just the gun room <laughs> where you get Peter Serafinowicz doing his best like job as pretending to be a sommelier but instead of showing wines he's showing uh, a bunch of different guns but that all the dialogue like if you were just listening to it you just assume he's t- he's actually in the in like the wine room because mm-hmm. they never mention gun I get they never say bullets or whatever yeah, yeah um same thing when he goes to the tailor he's getting like a bulletproof suit and then there's uh what's the last he goes to three different show, sto- stores he goes to the to the gun to the suit and then oh why can't i remember what the last thing he goes to i can't remember either, either way yeah it's so but it's so perfectly great in a way of like this underground society is very i think i, I think i said this one john wick two, chapter two was my really like or we, we reviewed it i can't really remember at this point it's been two years but i just remember talking about how and loving the fact that it's like a harry potter world mm-hmm. where there's this like sort of like flip of a switch and you're suddenly in the assassin's world yeah um and everything is very coy like everyone you know they're like be seeing you john be seeing you common and, like, just <laughs> be seeing you common i, I like that's his name, name. <laughs> I just um and uh that was that was very good um I will say, even though the villains aren't as good in chapter chapter two, the House of Mirrors uh, fight scene is still like very very well done. Oh yeah. Um, and Ruby Rose does a really good job um, of being like the like main final antagonist, I guess, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like the different assassins that John Wick has to um, attack. Yeah. Um, and I just love that everyone everyone in New York apparently is an assassin because when the call goes out that the, there's a, a contract on his head for $7 million, like, everybody in New York City gets a text. Yes. Um, I love it. It's very good. And, like, and also see... everybody has a Nokia phone from 2007. 
Yeah, I really like how effortless the world building is in chapter two. It's just already there. It's something that's in place and you don't really have to get an exposition dump to realize like, oh, there is an assassin's world that just in society that stretches across the globe and they all know each other and they all immediately recognize each other. And of course they know John Wick, who's the Baba Yaga, this like great boogeyman of an assassin. And um, I love that we get to see that actually uh, in play in John Wick chapter three. So I'm going to move into John Wick chapter three, uh, which I absolutely love. It's my favorite since one. I think, um, I think one still has like a leg above it just because of the personal story. But I do like how chapter three brings a much leaner, more focused narrative and um, while still maintaining that world building sort of globe trotting aspect, but it's still more just about John Wick is on the run. He's being chased by like assassins across the world, but he just wants to he just wants to live. He just wants to live. That's like he his goal. Get out. He just wants to like, you know, get back in the good graces of the of the high table and not be like trying to get killed by everyone. So that's the main tr- premise of chapter 3 and I like the how simple it is. Like when it when John Wick um, when it's simple is at its best. Simplicity is his best um, aspect of it. And then, like, they can go wild with the action sequences. And John Wick Chapter 3 definitely has, like, some of the best action set pieces. The first 20 minutes are probably just, like, Mad Max Fury Road good. They are yeah. impeccable, relentless, breathless action filmmaking that, like, was such a shot of adrenaline that when I first went to see it the first time, which, by the way, I've seen this movie three times. <laughs> It just came out on Thursday, but I've already seen it three times because I saw it for a press screening early on and I already made the plans to see it on opening um, night weekend. But then uh, my friend, my coworker Chris was like, hey, I'm also seeing it so I can review it. Let's check it out together. And I was like, okay, time number two. That's fine. I love this movie. So I saw it three times and each time is just as exhilarating every time. Exhilarating, by the way, is the quote that is used in the uh, marketing for this trailer because I was quoted for John Wick Chapter 3. I love this movie. Anyways, I love this film. I think it's one of the best action films we've had in the past decade, uh, Mad Max aside. But um, it really makes a good case for John Wick being one of the best, if not the most consistent action franchises we've had recently. I wholeheartedly agree with that i think that john wick chapter three does everything that john wick chapter two does but better mm-hmm. um like the world building is so well done we get we get to learn more about who john wick is as a person as a entity i guess um i love the the stuff that they all the stuff that happens in the continental i don't want to spoil anything but everything surrounding the continental is so good uh halle berry is great we haven't even mentioned Halle Berry's in this. We haven't even mentioned the stacked casts across yes. all three of these films. Like, John Leguizamo is in the first two. Uh, um, Ian McShane is in all three. And, oh, oh, the guy from Lost, I don't remember his name, because I don't, I don't really know his his um, his name, but he played... Uh, I, I don't remember who he was in Lost, but I'm doing a Lost rewatch now. But uh, who he's the concierge. Oh, Lance Reddick. In John Wick Chapter 3. He's, he's from Fringe. Yes. Is he from Fringe? No, yeah. he's also in Lost. He wasn't in Lost. I remember he wasn't in yeah. Lost. Lance Reddick. Was he? Okay. He was the... He We're going to look... He was not in Lost. We'll, we'll talk about it offline. I interviewed I him, he's in and he's definitely just in Fringe, but 
Uh, he's I know great. He's, I definitely, I definitely remember him being in French. But we'll talk, okay, we'll we'll go off offline about that. Um, but you know, he's great. Uh, Ian McShane's great. Uh, um, who else is uh, uh in like all Alfie of these movies? Alfie Allen is uh one of he's the. He's the first he's, one. He's, he's the, the dumb one. shit who decides who yeah. to he's kill. He's the John instigating Wick's, factor, uh, and John he's Wick's great Wick's at that smarmy like thug like what is it like Slavonian Slovenian thug or something like that he's great at it yeah <laughs> Peter Stormare shows up in the second one um there's just and like uh, like we said Common is in the second one Ruby Rose mm-hmm. um and then in the third one it's Mark Dacascus um, who is excellent yeah um, and Asia Kate Dillon is the is uh the other villain but I absolutely love Mark Dacascus in this in the third one in, in Chapter Three Parabellum. I think he is really what makes this film as fun and irreverent and as silly as it is because John Wick Chapter Three is the funniest of the franchise and it's the most meta of all of them too. I really love that they've kind of come to terms with like what this franchise is and they're willing to make fun of it. Like throughout the film, John Wick is just getting more and more tired and more fatigued, and yet he has that aura of um of uh invincibility around him that we finally kind of get to see in play because even when he is throwing punches and you can see he's slow he's not like a superhero or anything he's still a force of nature and it's just amazing to see how he's like getting by by the skin of his teeth and yet um he still managed to defeat all of these incredibly fast like ninjas and fighters and assassins because of just how brutal and how much of, much of just like a force he is. And that's when you see like the Baba Yaga come into play. And um, and we see kind of like with uh, Mark Dacascus' character named Zero, he just has like this idolization for John Wick. And it's so funny to see him like in awe of John Wick and fanboying over him. There's this one scene in the movie where he, uh, this is not a spoiler, but he like sits down next to John Wick when they're in the Continental. And he just like, sits really close to him and their thighs like touch and it is the funniest thing i've ever i've seen in the john wick franchise it was um, very good yeah it was improvised by mark dacascus actually uh he was telling me that in my interview that i did with him just saying (laughs) read it on slashfilm.com Yes. Um, so I just confirmed it. Lance Reddick was in Lost as oh. Matthew Abaddon. Oh, okay. But I, I have, he obviously didn't have a big part. But I do remember. I remember him being. But I do remember him being uh, in Fringe consistently. Like, yes, he was a, a main character, character in Fringe. Right. I mean, he. I think he. I, I think he was part of Mr. Echo's story. Um, oh. in, uh, in in Lost. Okay, um, gotcha. So wasn't too it wasn't too too impactful on the story obviously yeah. i mean it's just like it's just funny because like oh that guy in lost and like but he's more associated with fringe which is nice funny because like the thing you think of first is lost right 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 well i should say i'm I've, i'm on a lost rewatch and i'm mm. i've watched the first five episodes today mm. um so like lost is on my mind um yeah so john wick chapter three is great um it you know, this is sort of like a mini review, I guess, also of John Wick Chapter Three. Um, we're not going to get into spoilers about it because that would, you know, it's out this weekend. Um, people should go see it if they haven't. If they've been like kind of wavering on, like if they didn't really like John Wick Chapter Two for some weird reason, John Wick Chapter Three sort of solves any weird qualms that you'd have with the, with the franchise. Um, I will say the motorcycles with the swords, yes, is perfect. 
That's a scene and that's it's actually a back to the villainess, yes, which I haven't seen. It's inspired by the villainess, which is amazing and is on Hulu right now, by the way. Ooh, I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the all like the allusions to different um action films, mm-hmm. uh, specifically like Asian action films that are in these movies. Um, a lot of raid references. In fact, aren't wasn't one of the directors? A director of the raid. The two final henchmen before Mark Dacascus are the two fighters from the raid. And oh, they're okay. the ones That's who get, I... like, all the dialogue and kind of get the nice honor scene, which is... Right, like, and they're cool. like, what a what a pleasure to meet you finally, Mr. Wick. Yeah. And so, like, it's very meta. It's really um, funny, yeah. Uh, but, like, the, the raid and John Wick share a lot of DNA in terms of its action style, it, as far as I'm... Oh, like, from what I've seen on, like, YouTube comparisons, like, there's a lot of, like, long action takes where, no, you know, they're not cutting, um, and it's just, like powerhouse after powerhouse after powerhouse of fighting fighting these sequences um and i think that this 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 franchise is is like you said a shot of adrenaline to the system of action films because it they're they are they're entertaining they're well done they are pure escape escapism and like everything you like would want in like an action movie franchise is in this like distilled to its like core um, and i think like you were saying like, before it's kind of like a love letter to a, a to mar- a- martial arts too and action films mm-hmm. uh because like of all the influences they pull in from films like the raid the villainess jackie chan movies um hong kong action films like by john woo even films by buster keaton there's a there are several explicit references to buster, buster keaton in john Wick chapter three it's really fun in the opening shot you see in times square you see a Buster Keaton film being played and in the posters for John Wick chapter 2 and chapter 3 they're homages to Buster Keaton films um, because it's kind of they're this these this franchise is presenting John Wick and and uh, using Keanu Reeves in a way that they finally understand who he is as an actor and how physical and how um how uh just like a much of a force he is as an actor he's not one for like you know subtle emoting he's a buster keaton he's not a type character yeah. you know and that's He'd why this in a silent film exactly and that's why this franchise works so well it it manages to utilize um keanu reeves best qualities and that he acts through his actions yeah, like, you know, I feel like Keanu gets a bad rap as, like, an actor in terms of, like, normal movie roles where he's speaking a lot and, like, having to emote through his face and his words. And, like, he definitely doesn't have, like, the the acting chops that I feel like, like, like an Oscar-worthy, you know, like, mm-hmm. but, like, I would say that this performance as John Wick is Oscar-worthy because all it's very, it's very, very much a performance it's just not with words. Mm-hmm. It's with his actions and physicality, the, like the physicality of it. Like rewatching John Wick chapter one and two this past weekend, I really, for the first time, and this is going to be, this is going to sound sad. I really appreciate Keanu Reeves for the first time as like an actor. Cause even in the matrix, like it's, he's a little stilted, like his acting is fine. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're really kind of, he is the audience surrogate. He's of, there like, to be the blank slate. Yeah, he's a blank slate, and, like, you know, Lawrence Fishburne is sort of, like, the great actor in that, and Carrie Ann Moss as well, um, and Lawrence Fishburne shows up in John Wick Chapter 2 and 3. I wanted Carrie Ann Moss for Chapter 3, 
Because I would. I, we might I, have her in chapter four. Who knows? There is a, a right. date open for chapter four now. So. Yeah, I mean, I hope they make eighty of these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, when I at the end of chapter two, I was like, oh, that'd be really cool if Carrie Moss is in chapter three as like another Matrix reference or something. And uh, there is definitely a possibility of that. Um, I will say my one qualm, and I think it's a lot of people's one qualm with chapter three, not enough of Jason Manzukis as the TikTok man yes. in chapter three. We need more TikTok man. He shows up at the beginning and I was so excited. I cheered. And then he shows up like once later on and basically mm-hmm. wordless roles. And um, I was a little disappointed. I wanted more TikTok man. And he yeah, definitely uh, sold that one line he had. TikTok, Mr. Wick. Yeah, like that's why he's called the TikTok man. <laughs> um, no, just, but these movies are incredible. Um, and I would say, so going back to... The, our initial question is this the greatest action franchise of modern cinema um we do have to contend with the mission impossible franchise and the mad max fury road franchise commonly known as the mad max franchise um <laughs> what do you think of the okay so if you had to say john wick chapter three mad max fury road and mission impossible rogue nation which one would which one would you say is the best film of just those three separate from anything else of, yes mad max fury road mad max fury road. Yeah. i, I, I but, agree but mad max does have like it has a longer history but also yes much more inconsistent between each films hmm and then yeah john wick is just in its infancy for now but it's so good with each film and it just gets better there's no law there's no rule of, of diminishing returns with john wick it just um builds and builds and becomes more of a fever dream than the last time and now they're heading into class warfare so for all of uh, all of you who are arguing that this is brainless action shit which you are wrong about by the way this is poetic cinema we're gonna get some meaning here because it's gonna be about class warfare between the high table and uh new york and <laughs> new york um yeah i mean it's john wicks at the in the uh, he's uh, he's definitely at a low point in mm-hmm. his life at the, at the uh, in this franchise. So, but he's also back on his bullshit. Yeah, he is. He's always back on his bullshit. So, Willoughby, what about you? What would you would you say that this is the best action franchise of modern the modern era? Uh, you know what? That's hard. That's hard to say because I really love the Mission Impossible films. Like, I don't want to say they're two different. Like they're not, you can't compare them because they are do, doing two different things. But if I had to, if I had to watch one of them, I would think I would watch John Wick again. Like I love the Mission Impossible films, and I will watch Mission Impossible Fallout like again because I bought it on Blu-ray. Um, but I think that uh, the John, the Mission Impossible films give me like anxiety <laughs> because uh, the, because Tom Cruise is literally like on deaths at the edge of death like in all of these films um and what i like about john wick chapter three is that keanu is always like one step ahead of the game um i almost said one step i almost started going into uh one step ahead in from aladdin uh (laughs) but i'm not going to do that uh because i i am not a good singer um but yeah he's always like the the top dog in these films and the, the action is so consistent and different than 
what's going on in Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible is set piece. They're all set piece. The movie, like in terms of like what these, what all these films have in common with Mad Max, Mission Impossible, John Wick. Like the the beauty of these films is that they're the plots are so thin that you can just lay down these action sequences on top of each other to create breathtaking cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will like all th- all three franchises are able to do that effortlessly. Um, like or at least the the, the last three Mission Impossibles are really good at that, I would mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Four, five, and six are very good at that. Um, uh, and Mad Max Fury Road, uh, obviously there's a huge gap between the 80s films and Fury Road, so they're almost two different beasts. Um, but there's connective tissue there with, with uh, Road Warrior. But I would say that John Wick Chapter 3, just, I don't have anxiety watching these films. Like, I could watch Keanu, uh, you know, headshot a bunch of guys in creative increasingly creative uh it ways forever whereas i feel like the next mad max fury road is gonna uh the, ne- the next mission impossible is gonna send me to the hospital for a panic attack oh no yeah <laughs> because like yeah he's in the helicopter he learned how to do the helicopter and now he's outside the helicopter oh god and now he's on the side of a cliff like oh like oh my god like there's a lot of that that those movies um they're great and they're great but also at the same time i'm like i need to like exit the theater <laughs> yeah there's a fantasy um, element to jo- the john wick franchise that's like easier to distance yourself from even as as gory as it gets yeah like that's the thing is like the mission possible films are not are they mm-hmm. are very much like uh enter fam not i would say family entertainment but like entertainment mass for, entertainment for a, a larger audience i feel like john wick for being great um, I don't think it would appeal. It's not a four quadrant film. Like it wouldn't appeal to everybody, mm-hmm. um, or even a three quadrant film. It's more of a two quadrant <laughs> film. Um, but I think it still works as as a great. Like I can't wait for kids who are growing up who are like gonna see it either illegally or with an older sibling, and then like they're gonna go like rewatch this movie like a thousand times in college and be like John Wick Chapter Three is so good. Like um, it's definitely gonna be this franchise is gonna go down as a very good action uh sequence film art like poetry yeah it's action poetry yeah it really is i mean the choreo the fight choreography is really like ballet it's just a, a dance and that's what's so amazing about it it's something that feels like very like the consummate professional you know um whereas the mission possible franchise does feel like tom cruise's death wish <laughs> even tom though cruise's even as they're increasingly fun and heightened. yes even though they're increasingly fun and heightened and like so just well shot and well and like incredibly layered so i guess it's a we're we're adopting a wait and see mode as of now i think so i mean like i i think i would i would rewatch the john wick films before the mission impossible films Mm -hmm. but that's not to knock the mission impossible films it's just sort of my opinion my taste preference like Mm. um but I also think Mad Max Fury Road stands above them all. Mm. And then I feel like, like that's, it's just, it's sort of like in a league of its own, but it does have a lot of similarities and comparisons to the John Wick fil- fil- film franchise in terms of its action, in terms of its like storytelling, thin plotting, storytelling, great performances, great physical performances by its leads. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And also John Wick rides a horse in the third one. Like yeah. that's great. And the horses kill people. 
It's so perfect. <laughs> that is true. I was, okay, there are moments in this movie I was not expecting it. That was one of them. Yeah. Like, oh, goodness. It's like the animals enact their revenge. <laughs> I love that. He uses a horse like it's a gun. I know. It's perfect. Yeah. Keanu Reeves said animal rights. <laughs> uh, yeah. And speaking of animal rights and Keanu Reeves, uh, BuzzFeed has a video out where Keanu Reeves is, is answering questions, holding a bunch of puppies. It's a classic BuzzFeed video. I definitely recommend checking it out. Yes, please do. But yeah, I'm also, I'm leaning towards uh, John, Wick, John Wick may be the greatest franchise, may, the greatest action franchise of our modern era. Slightly beating out the Mission Impossible. I do love the Mission Impossible films. They have um, quite an inconsistency between them, but I do like how with the, Mission Impossible franchise, we have um, each director kind of put their different mark on the films. Like, the first one, um, I don't remember who directed it, but I know the second one was... Brian De Palma! Brian De Palma! The first one was definitely a Brian De Palma film. All the second one was very much a John Woo film. The second one was very much a John Woo film. Third one, definitely a J.J. Abrams film and how it apes Brian De Palma's film. Just saying. I love um, it. It's also it's also a JJ Abrams film in terms of it looking uh, with uh, the super co- saturated color, yeah. intense clo- bloody close-ups, um, and cameras whipping around like yeah. it's no tomorrow. Fourth film very much Brad Bird. Third uh, and then fifth and sixth films very much Christopher McQuarrie. So that's what I do like yeah. about the Mission Impossible films. It's very just amorphous in that way whereas john wick um is very much is it's just it's chad stahelski and keanu reeves baby it's so tied to keanu reeves as a star and chad and, and keanu's just relationship with each other and i love that a lot too and then mad max is just you know george miller's baby george miller is a, f- a filmmaker like unlike any we'll ever see again probably and uh he did happy feet right before it he's great i love him it, yeah, and he did Babe yeah. in the City. Like at, George, at, and then he he did that after doing Thunderdome. Like there's he he's a man of multitudes. Yeah. At 80 years old, he is still able to show up all the action filmmakers out there and more. So, yeah. Uh if we were just looking at, you know, one movie at a time, Mad Max Fury Road would beat them all out, but as of now, I would say John Wick is uh winning out on this race. On this horse race. Yep. John Wick has big wick energy. Ay. All right. I think that's um our con- our discussion about John Wick wrapped up. If you guys haven't seen John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum yet, please check it out. It's in theaters now. And if you haven't yet read my pieces on SlashFilm.com, please go to SlashFilm.com and read my interviews with Mark Dacascus and Lance Reddick about their characters in John Wick Chapter 3. So, were you gonna say something, Willoughby? Oh, I was. I was just gonna say one last thing about John Wick Chapter Three. I just remembered this: the moment that the word "parabellum" is said in the film, I got chills. Mm. Ian McShane is so good in this franchise. I think this is another He's thing. So good. Another great thing about the John Wick franchise is that they know what to do with their actors. I feel like each mm-hmm. character is built around and built to just, like, be vehicles for these character actors. It's like character actors the movie, hamming it up and doing what they do best. And that's what's so great about it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That's our discussion about John Wick, uh, the franchise, wrapped up. 
So let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. convo why don't you start us off willoughby what do you really like this week uh riverdale we've talked about it on the show before uh i am so far behind i haven't seen any of season three so no spoilies but i caught up on season two last uh on friday with my girlfriend and her friends um, we've been watching season two over the course of last year, just like watch parties, a couple episodes at a time, because this show demands you watch it with someone else in the room because you need someone to react to, because the most insane batshit story soap opera stuff happens on this show, um, and it, they somehow are able to like top themselves literally every episode. Um, I'm season three comes on Netflix like next week, so we're gonna continue our rewatch or I guess our watch because none of us have seen season three yet. Um, but yeah, like we watched, we started with the, the musical episode last uh, on Friday and we just watched the rest of season two and it was just sort of like, literally how do they top any of these episodes? And they continue to do it with the most insane plot twists, but because it's Riverdale and it's so consistently written like this, it makes sense and it's so crazy. Um, uh, Riverdale needs to win the Palm Door at Cannes Film Festival. That's what I want to say. Um, I my one qualm is that they didn't hire a real redhead to play Archie. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Um, Ginger representation. There are dozens of us. There are dozens of us that you could have hired. Dozens. Um, <laughs> there are dozens of us. Um, yeah, Riverdale. It's it's a it's a incredibly uh, batshit, but I love it. All I know about this season is that there is a a gargoyle king and a cult. Yeah, I, I heard about him, and I'm like, what the fuck? Because we just got <laughs> done with the Black Hood. So, cool okay, boy. I want to say something, is that um, when Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry announced the name of their child was Archie, I saw <laughs> that, I didn't, I hadn't heard that they had announced it yet. All I saw on Twitter was the, the Archie Comics account tweeting, I'm baby, and I thought for like a wild second that Riverdale had turned Archie into a baby. And I was like, that makes sense. <laughs> before, <laughs> before I realized that it was actually about the the royal baby. And I was like, oh, well, oh, that's just like, that's just the kind of the show that Riverdale is. Yeah. Right, because it does have a spinoff in Sabrina, um, the Teenage Witch, uh, a, a Netflix show. Like they are technically in the same universe, although they haven't. I don't think they've spun off. I don't think they've crossed over. Um, I could be wrong because I haven't seen season three or any of Sabrina. Um, but I guess Riverdale is getting its other spinoff about Katie Keene in New York City with Josie and the Pussycats. So I guess that'll be interesting to watch. Um, don't know if it's going to be as high camp as Riverdale. Um, the Riverdale cinematic universe but- continues. The the RCU is a uh, very very good. Um, yeah, no Riverdale, 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 Riverdale. All right. Well, my really like this week is a throwback of a different sense. It's Fruits Basket, guys. Wait for my weeb to come out because it's here and I'm excited. Fruits Basket is the one of my favorite mangas since I was a kid. It's um 
the only manga series that I have the entire collection of, all like 40 books. And um, it was a very formative part of my just like teenhood experience because it has everything. Uh, a cute, fluffy love triangle, shenanigans in which in which characters turn into members of the Chinese Zodiac when they're hugged by the members of the opposite sex, abuse, depression, cults. It sounds like the um, Stefan sketch on SNL. Well, this I was show playing has with it. everything. Yep, that's what I was playing with. It has everything, and it makes you very sad, and yet makes you very, very hopeful at the end because it is probably the most wholesome show. Um, wholesome like animes that I've seen ever but uh, it's hard to explain outside of the the premise that I just laid down Um, I'm just going to talk about how I'm really excited that it's back now because the manga it ran from like late 90s until like 2007 and there was a first anime series that attempted to adapt that manga and it ran uh, from 2001 to 2002. So it only adapted like the first six books of the manga series. And now they're doing a 2019 remake which adapts the entire manga series under the supervision of the author, the mangaka as they call authors in Japan. And uh, it will now take the full scope of that wonderful, wholesome, sweet, depressing, sad, angsty journey that is Fruits Basket. Fruits Basket follows a, an orphan named Toru Honda, who is, by all accounts, a normal Japanese girl with a very uh, optimistic and uh, kind and forgiving viewpoint. And she finds herself entangled in the affairs of the Soma family, which is a family cursed to um, be possessed by the member by the animals of the Chinese zodiac. So you know the rat, the um, the dragon, the rabbit the whatever you know all the animals the monkey you know everything um and um yeah the boar one of the members is a cat who in the original myth was actually left out of the zodiac because of a classic case of the the rat tricking him and um the the man the young man possessed by the rat the cat uh is eager to get back into the zodiac and um will do any anything to get back in and he's an angry soft boy and i love him and he's my favorite character and i would die for him anyways Wait, there's a love I saw triangle you tweeting about a i saw you tweeting about a boy but he's a rat no he's a cat he's a cat yeah the cat the... but, but he's a boy but he's also a boy he's a boy he's a boy cat he's a boy cat, cat boy. he gets turned into a cat when he gets hugged by a member of the opposite sex gotcha. that's why okay, if you okay. saw my tweet it's a tweet of him holding a little rice ball that is shaped like a cat, and he's thinking, is this cannibalism? Because <laughs> he's a cutie like that. I love him. <laughs> Anyways, she gets entangled in the affairs of this family and ends up healing them because she's a good person and just, like, tr- becoming their therapist and treating all of their <laughs> their uh, depression and issues and anxieties. And, uh, of course, there's a love triangle between her and the cat and the rat. That sounds silly, and I my girlfriend's very excited to watch it in her with her friends, so I'm sure I'll be hearing more about it from both you and her about Fruits Basket. It's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Riverdale Fruits Basket. Yeah, Riverdale's batshit 
So is Fruits Basket. Fruits Basket is currently um, six episodes into the remake, and it's showing on Crunchyroll in its sub form and Funimation in its dub form. So if you want to check that out, please do. All right. So. Yeah. Anya's usually the person who says this. If you guys want to talk to us more about uh, John Wick, Riverdale, or Fruits Basket, please let us know. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can, yeah, in the most important part, you can rate, review, and subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at HTranBui on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. We're thinking. We're back. Bye.